0: Coming up on today's show, a Saskatchewan First Nation says it's found at least 751 unmarked graves at the site of a former residential school east of Regina. We'll have the announcement and we'll talk about it. A caller today really cut through to the audience. His Cree name I can't pronounce, but it means Golden Eagle. You'll hear his call. Also, we're heading into an absolute heat wave this weekend and there's a lot of concerns about how it will affect our homeless populations. Good morning, Alberta. As we said, uh, just uh, standing by for the start of the news conference taking place in Saskatchewan this morning. Um, Here's what we know so far: Um, Researchers, involving um, uh, researchers from the University of Saskatchewan, using ground-penetrating radar, have uncovered hundreds of graves at the site of Maryvale Indian Residential School, which is about 140 kilometers east of Regina. Uh, This discovery is said to be the largest to date so far in our country, Uh, three times larger than um, the number of bodies found in unmarked graves at the Kamloops residential school site. That was 215. So uh, we're looking at about 650 at a minimum. Um, That school uh, was in operation for 100 years. It didn't close until 1997. And it ran for a very, very long time. Two-thirds of the bodies recovered or discovered to this point uh, were in unmarked graves. So it's going to be the latest in what unfortunately will be a long series of um, similar announcements. As we know, these kinds of efforts are underway right across the country and in our province, the announcement yesterday. I believe the press conference has now started. So uh, let's get the details uh, live now from Saskatchewan.
1: A quick summary: We have Cadmus Delorme, Chief of the Cowessess First Nation, uh, Federation of Sovereign Indigenous Nations (FSIN) Chief Bobby Cameron, and then we will open up to questions. So, Chief, I believe yes, we are now live on Facebook. You may begin.
2: Cadmus Natisi Kasu ni Kaniwin Cowessess isquinguinic. I say good morning to you all. My name is Chief Cadmus Delorme of the Cows' First Nation. Before I begin on the Merrillville Residential School story, I just wanted to emphasize that the recent story of the Kamloops Residential School, 215 found graves has triggered many across this country. And I just wanted to start off by reading two numbers that anybody that what I will share that may re-trigger that, that you can call if you are looking for the residential school line to help with mental emotional you could call at one 925 4419 if you're more local in the treaty 4 territory in southern saskatchewan we do have a line that's going to be open this afternoon we have partnered with regina treaty status indian services and you could call them at 306-522-7494 in 1886 the roman catholic church in the old blades arrived on causas first nation and that is when the gravesite, gravesite began. In 1898, the Merrillville Residential School opened its doors, and it closed its doors in 1996. The Roman Catholic Church overseen the gravesite. The Catholics and, and the, 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 the prayer and, and religion Overseen the grave site. We started our radar penetrating research on June the second of 2021. As of yesterday, we have hit seven hundred and fifty-one unmarked graves. This is not a mass grave site. These are unmarked. Mark graves over the past years the oral stories of our elders of our survivors and friends of our survivors have told the stories that knew these burials were here in 1960 there may have been marks on these graves The Catholic Church representatives removed these headstones, and today they are unmarked graves. At this time, I'm just going to share my screen so you have a visual of of what we're talking about. You're going to notice that there are flags, and I apologize, it might be a little tough to see, but this is now today... Uh, on Cows' First Nation, and this is what we call today our community gravesite. It became our community gravesite after the 1970s when the residential school was stopped overseen by the Roman Catholic Church and the Archdiocese. We also wanted to show you a little more of a, of a visual. From a drone perspective, of the 751 hits, the machine has a 10 to 15% error percentage. So <clears throat> we will only go by the hits that we have of 751, but we do know there's at least 600. You're going to notice that they are in proper order. These that lay here are one meter by one meter apart. In some cases, we cannot affirm that they are all children, but there are oral stories that there are adults in this gravesite as well, because it was the Roman Catholic Church that overseen this gravesite. It. W- some may have went to the church and from our local towns and they could have been buried here as well this could be triggering to many but when you're from cows's first nation or you have attended the Merville residential school which many have in southern saskatchewan and manitoba we always knew that there was graves here. The recent story of the Kamloops Residential School has triggered many in this country, and we, we knew this was going to trigger as well. There are many agree to disagree from Causes on the history of this gravesite, But I want to affirm to you, we are talking about unmarked graves. We're not talking about a mass grave site. Today in this country, First Nations people, and this instant, we've never ever swayed away from who we are as a and Nishinaabe people. The Roman Catholic residential school has impacted us intensely. And today we have generations that may have not went to residential school, but they are feeling the first and second generation of that impact. All we ask of all of you listening is that you stand by us as we heal and we get stronger and that we all must put down our ignorance An accidental racism of not addressing the truth that this country has with indigenous people. We are not asking for pity, but we are asking for understanding. We need time to heal and this country must stand by us. We have reached out to the government of Canada. The Prime Minister, Minister Bennett, Minister Miller have reached out and told us that they stand beside us and what they can help with today. I have reached out and they have reached out to me, the Roman Catholic Church, our Archdiocese in this region. His name is Don, and we have talked as well. What we are going to be doing now is we are going to be putting names to these unmarked graves, we want to honor our loved ones that lay there today. We want to make sure that we keep that place and preserve it so many could come here and heal. It's going to hurt in the coming months because the more we put names to them, the more that it is going to re- reopen <laughs> some of the pains that many endured at the Maryville Residential School are going to reopen. The gravesite is is there and it's real and if you were to see it there are 751 flags when you look at it it is the pain of the memories of being in the school for many that it is triggering and that's why i thank all of the messages everyone listening that i ask you to open your mind that this country needs to have truth and reconciliation. There's gonna be many more stories in the future. And and this is KAUS' First Nations moment of our truth. In the coming days, um, we will continue to do our research. And one day there will be a monument there. Every one of those graves will be marked. And probably not every grave will have the exact name. But that is our end goal. I thank you all for giving us this moment to tell our story. And I just want to rephrase. This is not a mass grave site. These are unmarked graves. And we didn't remove these headstones. Removing headstones is a crime in this country. And we are treating this like a crime scene at the moment. And we will know more as we continue our research. Again, to the ones that are listening that have went to residential school, that are descendants of residential school survivors, there are numbers available for you to call and you are not alone. At this time, I just wanted to give a moment for our knowledge keeper, Florence Barveer to come and share a few words before Chief Bobby Cameron, Florence. Yeah, right there. Just speak into there.
3: Okay. I'm 80 years old, and I went to boarding school down there. I, I was uh, taken by my parents to go. At that time, if uh, the parents didn't want to uh, allow their children to, to go to boarding school, one of them had to go to jail. So in order that we keep the, the family together, we went to boarding school. They brought us there. We stayed there. And we learned they they pounded it into us, and really they were very mean when I say pounding, I mean pounding. those nuns were very mean to us for i don't know, I don't think they liked liked it being there either, but uh we had to learn um, uh how to be a Roman Catholic. We couldn't say our own, our own little blessings the way we said it at home. We had uh, our own way of honoring ourselves and Mother Earth in our own homes when we were little, but we had to, to leave all that after. So when, when um, we were taught at home, that we had, um, we had to look after ourselves physically, mental, emotionally, and spiritual. So that got all stripped away when we went to boarding school. They told us what to say. They told us about a, a new um, being that was supposed to be our uh, ultimate savior. But the ones we had in our in our um, school, they were not nice either. They were very uh, uh, they were very um, condemning about our people. They told us our our um, our people, our parents and grandparents had no. Um, um they they didn't have a way to be spiritual because we were all heathens. And this was the I was the third um, one in my family that went to that school. My grandmother went and my mother and, and me. So they were still teaching that all, all the time. So they were putting us down as a people. So we learned how to not like who we were. And that has gone on, um, on and on, and it's still going on. Because we couldn't teach our people, our own families, how to look after themselves physically, mental, emotionally, and spiritually. They made us, when we became assimilated, they made us think different and feel different. So it's, it's uh, a lot of the pain that we see in our, in our people right now comes from there. Mm-hmm. So, and I went uh, to another school, little Brett also, and that was the same thing. You know, they had, uh, uh, they made us believe we believe we didn't have souls both places. And that was the ultimate uh, desire of all of us to how can we be better, do better? And, and sometimes it's, it's really hard to know and, and how our parents had um, our parents and grandparents, had uh, a hard life because they were they were um, had to be assimilated. So now now we know how to do that. It's, we don't have to go back. We just have to learn how to look after ourselves in a good way. So I thank you, Chief, for allowing me to to come here and and talk a little bit about it. I'm an elder under the reserve. I have a sweat lodge. I stopped it now because I'm. I want somebody else to do it. But if we, you need an elder, you know, people want to come, they can come. I have a lodge. Uh, my my uh, husband had built me a little lodge, so that's where I see people. I don't tell them anything. I don't tell anyone who is there. But I'm busy. Thank you.
2: Hmm. Back to you, Larissa. Thank you, Florence.
3: Thank you very
1: much, Chief. Uh, We will now have uh, Chief Bobby Cameron. Uh, Tony, can you please uh, pin Chief Cameron's screen? Chief Cameron, are you there?
4: Yeah, I'm, I'm here, Larissa. Perfect. Can you All right,
1: Yep. Yeah, just for the record, okay. and gentlemen, this is FSIN Chief Bobby Cameron. He is the Chief of the Federation of Sovereign Indigenous Nations, which represents the 74 First Nations in Saskatchewan. Chief, whenever you're ready.
4: Yeah, good morning. I want to say, Tansen, Nwago, Magantik. Nigan, Mantu, Kanaskumun, Miogeese, Gong, Megwats. Nigwa, no, Kum, no. Kokum, no, Kanaskum, Tinigagi, First and foremost, to our God, our Creator, for a beautiful day today. To our Nokom, our knowledge keeper, our elder, for the opening prayer, thank you. Chief Cadmus and your your community, for the challenging work that you have just completed. Uh, we are grateful and thankful, and our prayers to each and every one of uh, your families there in Calais. And to all that are on the line that are listening, you have important work to do in terms of getting the, the message out there for the world to understand what we First Nations have endured for many, many decades within the residential school era, the 60s Scoop, the day schools, and currently in the child welfare system where there has to be and must be immediate change. Where our First Nation children come home to our communities and be raised in, in our communities amongst our own language and culture experts. This was a crime against humanity, an assault on a first on First Nation people. We are proud people. The only crime we ever committed as children was being born indigenous. A lot of work, a lot of healing will take will take place. There are many sites that we're going to going to be doing this similar work, and we will find more. So we ask for each and every one of you to continue to work with us, to continue to pray for us. We call on all levels of government to to work with us, and which they are. But in terms of the the healing and the the aftermath of of moving forward for our survivors and descendants. What are the expectations and what are the outcomes? I would also like to say this on behalf of the Federation of Sovereign Indigenous Nations, that we pray for all of these children, their families and the community of Calaisis. To all our First Nation people, please take care of yourself. Please take care of each other. We are seeing the results of the genocide that Canada committed here. Genocide on our treaty lands. We will find more bodies and we will not stop until we find all of our children. We will do a search of every Indian residential school site and we won't stop there. We will also search all of the sanatoriums, Indian hospitals and all of the sites where our people were taken and abused, tortured, neglected and murdered. We will tell the stories of our children, of our people who died, who were killed by the state, by the churches, and we won't stop until we locate all of them. The world is watching Canada as we unearth the findings of genocide. We had concentration camps here. We had them here in Canada, in Saskatchewan. They were called Indian residential schools. Canada will be known as a nation who tried to exterminate the First Nations. Now we have evidence, evidence of what the survivors of the Indian residential schools have been saying all along for decades, that they were treated without humanity. They were, tra- they were tortured, they were abused, and they seen their classmates die. They even had to dig graves for their own fellow students. Can you imagine that? These stories will come out. Canada will have to work with us in the spirit of reconciliation. Prime Minister Trudeau, Premier Scott Moe, have committed to doing this, and we will we will go to distance on this. We expect and demand a full public, independent inquiry into the genocide. We need to verify causes of death and identify these children. Our people deserve more than apologies and sympathies, which we are grateful for. Our people deserve justice. Canada can start by handing over all of those records. The churches can start by handing over all of those records. To all of our allies, we need support as we grieve. This is just the beginning of the number of children who will be found. As I mentioned earlier, we won't stop until we find them all. I want to say this on a a lasting note. We try to put our ourselves in the eyes and the bodies of these children who are who are now being found in the ground, who have been waiting for decades uh, to have a proper burial and to be honored properly amongst our own protocols, traditions, and customs. And a small First Nations voice said, They found us. They found us Thank you for listening to me this morning.
1: Thank you very much, Chief Cameron. Uh, we'll now turn it to uh, some questions. I see uh, Elmer. Elmer, I don't want to butcher your last name. So.
0: We've been listening to live coverage from Saskatchewan as the details of uh, horrific discovery were revealed. We heard from Cowess's Chief Cadmus DeLorme uh, speaking earlier and giving us the details. 751. Um, bodies recovered in unmarked graves or discovered in unmarked graves at the site of a former residential school in Maryvale, which is about 140 kilometres east of Regina. Um, And uh, as we know, it's not going to be the last discovery. um, So we'll continue to cover this story right now, though, we'll take a short break. Uh, Let's continue on with your calls now. Let's go to Oswa. Am I saying that correctly? No what is it what is it cuz I, I got to yell at Sarah cuz she put Oswa in the text bar
5: Well it's trying to, it's trying to uh trying to spell uh, Cree words with an English dictionary Okay pronounce hard. it
0: properly for me will you
5: So my name is Oswald Cahill. that's what my mother calls me Okay and it, and it and it means uh golden eagle in our language
0: Excellent okay so
5: my 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 stage name my colonial name is Marcel Okay and um and uh, I wanted to call in and talk a little bit about my mom. She's, uh, she's number 19 Indian in the residential school in, in Alberta. Which one? 78, uh, St. Albert. And, uh, and uh, she's 78, and she's struggling right now because of this uh, stuff coming, coming to the surface. And uh, my grandparents, not her parents, but my dad's parents, were in residential school, and my dad was in day school and so we get a lot of the residual effects in our community and in our families and um um it's really, really
0: hard can, 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 uh, to deal with sometimes. Just let me stop you for a sec there, because I think that is an important link that we need to establish here. And, and you're somebody who maybe can do it for us. Um, when we take a look at like, the residual effects and the things that you're seeing in your community now, um, I think I'm getting a better understanding of why that's happening, because of the generational harm and the trauma that your community has gone through. But can you, can you draw that link for us as somebody who's living this and sort of say, you know, this explains a lot to people who maybe can't make that link?
5: Well, it does. Uh, we talk about inter- intergenerational trauma. We talk about residual effects, and, and the kids in these schools—they uh, learned um, how to beat each other, how to hurt each other, how to rape each other, um, how to torture each other. You know, and and they pass that on. They brought that back to our communities, and and we deal with that in our communities sometimes. Um, but but let's not get stuck there. We we. It used to be illegal to be Indian, native, right? Government right. outlawed our ceremonies, government outlawed our language, killed the Indian in the child from Johnny McDonald, yep, yep. And, and they were damn near successful. And if it wasn't for people like my grandpa who was fluent Cree and, and walked away from the residential school and picked up where he left off before he got kidnapped and kept the, the culture alive, kept the ceremony alive, kept the language alive, I don't think we'd be healing like we are today um, and there's a great divide right now in this country be- between the, the, the truth and reality of, of what happened, right? Uh, it feels almost like our heads are in the sand uh, as a nation, and that uh, we don't want to look at the uh, the reality of the genocide that, that our peoples were put through.
0: But we have to um, to understand and to move forward, don't we, Marcel?
5: Oh, and def- definitely. Definitely. If it wasn't for the sweat lodges, the comeback of the sweat lodges, and the sun dances, and the language, and the elders um, helping our communities to heal, we wouldn't we wouldn't uh, we wouldn't uh, be where we are today. I'm right. 51, yeah, right. Yeah. And now I was I was raped and abused by a residential school survivor, who's who's long dead now, and and I've had to I've had to work through that as a as a child and as an adult. And now I'm 51 and I have uh, Four children that are adults, and and they're 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 contributing elder, uh, adults to society. One's going to U of A to be a teacher. One's a journeyman red seal gas fitter. One owns his own delivery company. One's a pastor and and, and does service all over the world. And I have six grandchildren that that I'm teaching our culture and our language one day at a time. You know, and I and I hear people denouncing their, their religions, and I hear people saying the Catholic churches need to be burned down yeah, and yeah. stuff like this. And I say, you know what? I said, go to your churches. Go to your churches and talk about these things with your congregations and pray for us with us, you know, and, and talk about it. And, and, and instead of
0: looking back, angry, look forward, right?
5: Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I, anger uh, is what got us here, Yeah, I, right? And, and if we can learn to love and respect each other, um, we'll be so much further ahead. And I might not see it in my time, but if I see it in my grandchildren's time, maybe they'll have a chance, right? Yeah. There's so much hate and animosity out there in social media when it's talk, when we talk about issues related to Aboriginal people, Indigenous people, or people of colour. You just have to look at any comment section in a newspaper and you can see it, right?
0: No, you're absolutely right. Uh, I can't thank you enough for calling. Uh, just some great insight. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you very one much. Last um,
5: one last, one last yeah. thing. Yep. One last thing. There's there's probably going to be about 125,000 bodies found out, found in the next few years over North America, right? And that's just a drop in the bucket because there's over 500 residential schools yeah, yeah. in Canada and the USA. So as 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 a nation, we really need to work together, and and one of your callers talked about giving one third of the of the country back to uh, to native people, but I think we need to do more than just that. Like, in my understanding of treaty, half of the government belongs to us. Half of the lawmaking should belong to us. Half of the Senate should belong to us. Half of the legislature should, should belong to us because we don't have any true representation in the colonial government, right? It, and it's like we're always looked at as, as wards of the court, and, and that's not—that's not how it is. We're not the Queen's children. We're mm. not—we're not the Queen's children. We're the original inhabitants and people of these lands, and that needs to be respected, learned, taught. You know.
0: You know, when we think of the needs of the homeless in this part of the world, obviously, we think about surviving a night of minus 30 living on the streets, right? In the winter, it can be life-threateningly dangerous. But this week, we're heading into kind of an inverse weather situation that can be just as deadly. The temperatures are expected to soar across our province this weekend pushing the mercury past 35 degrees, right across the board. And the agencies that support Alberta's homeless populations are really raising some alarm bells, really worried about what we could be in store for here. So to get a little more information about what they're dealing with and what they're facing, we have Scarlett Bjornsson joining us from the Bissell Centre in Edmonton. Good morning, Scarlett. Thank you for joining us today.
6: Good morning, Shay. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, I think we're sort of all a little... uh apprehensive about what this weekend is going to be like Uh, we're talking about some ridiculous heat in our part of the province but what what does it mean for people you know that deal with our our homeless population obviously some added concern for you too
6: yeah so there's a lot of um factors that go into the population right now um and some of those are very dangerous Covid nineteen has affected the capacity levels at all agencies across the city. So our daytime spaces, where people could normally escape the heat and cool and uh, yeah, cool down, yeah. Um, our capacity is for our community space went from one hundred and twenty down to thirty, and so those are vital spaces that we don't have access to. And so you know, a lot of people are now being forced to just stay outside in this heat and so that leads a lot leads to a lot of um real serious issues such as dehydration Mm -hmm. heat stroke um a a gambit of uh, sunburn and then there's also the the um increased overdoses that we're seeing in the city actually increases due to the dehydration so it's a perfect storm of really dangerous um um, the issues for our for our community yeah
0: i mean you just like you mentioned the pandemic and and capacity and the heat and and the drug supply i mean really it is a perfect storm right now you guys are dealing with enough you throw in 36 degree heat and this could be a very dangerous weekend
6: it could be a very dangerous weekend yes a hundred percent and so you know we've put the call out for water and edmonton met that call and so we're we're going to be able to keep the people around us and, you know, around Bissell Center pretty hydrated. Um, but there's still going to be a number of other issues that come up, you know, access to lighter clothing, um bug spray, you know, there's sunscreen, there's, there's so many needs for this community because they don't have a roof over their heads, and we all need to be cognizant of those needs.
0: Absolutely. So, what, so in, in your position, as you're trying to prepare for this, what kind of supports and services would you typically put in place, and are you able to do that with, you know, as you mentioned, all those factors that you're facing? What kind of plans are in
6: place for this weekend? So we have our outreach workers that are doing increased safety walks in the neighborhood, and they're making sure that they're handing out water, naloxone kits, Um, you know granola bars those types of things Um, and then uh, our spaces normally would be um, have extended hours but we have currently have extended hours uh, because of uh, our capacity issues so that's not really that's not really a change right now Um, and then just encouraging the public like keep water in your vehicles and when you see people because it's not just homeless people living in you know down in the inner city there are you know expanded across the city and so um you know they're living in parks near our homes and so keep that water in your vehicle and you know give hand those out as well
0: yeah and i know you did put a call out saying we need water we need water people responded what else can the community
6: do to support you so we've so we do have a current uh, need for lighter summer clothing hats Sunscreen, bug spray, deodorant—these types of things not only protect people but also provide dignity in these in these uh, heat waves. Um, and that, that's really, really important for folks. Um, they're, already, they're already dealing with not having a home, not having access to fresh water, not having, you know, a number of things. And so let's do what we can to, one, keep them safe, also to though, provide them some dignity through these temperatures.
0: You know, Scarlett, when things get really, really cold, the city jumps up and opens up warming centers and the like. Are there any plans, is there any discussion to have basically cooling centers, places where people can go and get out of the heat for a while?
6: You know that's a really great question, and um, not as far as I'm aware. Okay. Um, I'm not at a lot of those city table discussions, but what I'm told is that um, they are. You know, they've extended funds to different agencies for water, it, uh, those types of things. I think their peace officers have water um, to hand out to folks. And, uh, yeah, so unfortunately, that's all I can comment on this
0: gotcha. state plan. Okay, fair enough. Um, I appreciate uh, your time this morning, and I wish you best of luck this weekend. And uh, if there's anything that we can do to get the word out what you need, uh, just give us a holler and we'll make sure we do that.
6: You betcha. Thank you so much, Shay. You bet. Thanks weekend. very
0: much, Scarlett. That is Bye-bye. Scarlett Bjornson of the Bissell Centre in Edmonton. As I said, you know, the, the situation that we're facing when it comes to these extreme temperatures uh, is right across the province. It's, it, it, you know, I mean, the, the forecast highs down in the south when I was checking yesterday, like 38 degrees in Medicine Hat, you know. So no area of Alberta is going to escape the heat this weekend. It's going to be ridiculously hot. I was checking some of the temperature records, and I know for Edmonton, the hottest temperature ever recorded in the city of Edmonton was 37.2 degrees. Our forecast high for uh, the weekend and Monday is 36, 35, 36. Uh, That's really, really close to the hottest it has ever been, ever been in our province. So uh, some things to try and Make sure that the vulnerable can get through. So we heard what's going on in Edmonton. When we come back from a short break, we're going to chat with uh, someone from the Calgary Drop-In Centre. I imagine they're facing many of the same issues. Um, what are they preparing for this weekend? We'll find out when we come back right after this. couple of ideas from you, the listener, about what maybe we can do to help with the heat uh, this weekend and make sure that our homeless population isn't just trapped out in what's going to be stifling heat with nowhere to go. Um, Beth? Uh, in Edmonton says, how about opening up the downtown LRT stations? They do that when it's cold, right? Uh, They're nice and cool. Sure, maybe that's a possibility. Uh, This listener in Calgary says, how about those misting tents like they have set up at the Stampede Grounds? Why not? Makes sense. Uh, Pull out all the stops because it's going to be stupid hot this weekend. Absolutely insane. Um, And uh, it's going to cause some issues. Another really interesting text. Great idea from this listener saying, hey, Shay, you should connect with someone from the livestock industry. See how they help their animals with this heat. Well, I'm going to do that right now. Are you a livestock person? What do you call you? A producer, I guess? Uh, yeah, what does it mean for you heading into this weekend with temperatures pushing 35, 36 degrees? What kind of things do you have to do differently? Give me a call, 780 496 i would be interested to know what kind of challenges that presents and if you have to do anything special and if you have any concerns heading into this crazy hot weekend. Uh, we heard from what's going on at the Bissell Center in Edmonton as they try and brace for this weekend. Now, let's get the perspective from Calgary. Joining us now, we have Tyler Folks, who is with the Calgary Drop-In Center. Tyler, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. And I imagine a lot of the concerns and the things that you're seeing are very similar to what they're seeing at the, the shelters up in Edmonton. But uh, just how are you feeling heading into this weekend of, you know, 36, 37 degree heat?
7: Oh, it's always concerning, right? We want to make sure that we're protecting our, our community as much as possible. And we a lot of have a lot of people that, uh, you know, are relatively self-sufficient, like to be on their own mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, want to be outside of the shelter environment, which is totally fair. So it's just making sure that we can support those people as much as possible.
0: Yeah, you know, as, as I was talking to uh, our guest from Edmonton about, you know, we think about cold weather when we think about the homeless population in Alberta. But just what kind of things do you see when it does get really hot like this? What are the risks that uh, people are running out there?
7: Yeah, it's the same risk that a lot of us uh, face as well, like the heat stroke, sunburns, dehydration. Our population doesn't have access to a lot of the same things that we have, for instance, like easy access to water. It's something yeah. we take for granted to help us with uh, with all these issues. And it's harder to get if you don't have a running tap or something like that, right? Being able to get out of the heat for even five minutes, being able to have uh, sunscreen,
0: or even just a, a sun hat, right? Like a lot of those things you can't just get easy access to. Does the city get involved? Like, a, like we talked about, you know, warming centers and things like that. When it gets really cold, cities get involved and open up these kinds of facilities. Is there any talk in Calgary about doing that? We know because it's really hot, cooling centers. Is that on the table? I don't know about cooling centers. There has previously been, like,
7: giant uh, water tanks sent to, you know, strategic parts of the city okay. to assist vulnerable populations that don't have access to it.
0: Um, heading into this weekend, what are the needs? To, is there a way that the community can step up and, and help make this easier for you guys? Oh, absolutely. Uh,
7: so we're in urgent need of hats, sunglasses, sunscreen, and bottles of water. Uh, we have a donation center in the north northeast at 3640 11A Street northeast uh, that people could drop those supplies to. And it's not even just us. I'm sure that the Mustard Seed and Alpha House are in a really
0: similar position and desperately need those supplies. Um. In terms of what's going on in the community right now, you know, we know there's so many issues that you're facing right now in terms of you know overdoses and and all kinds of other things. So uh, there's a lot going on. How has the pandemic affected this? And you know the situation with the drug supply and things right now. You got a lot of things happening all at the same time, and then you throw all this heat on top of it. Um, What are you expecting to see this weekend?
7: It's hard to say for sure. I wouldn't imagine that the, uh, the heat will have too much effect on, like, the opiate crisis or on, uh, on COVID itself. A lot more people are going to be outside uh, due to the heat, you know, trying to get away and just get outside from, like, this, this winter of lockdown, right, and try to enjoy some space. And because of that, a lot of people are probably going to be uh, underprotected in that
0: environment. I think that's the main concern in relation to it. Um, Okay, and as you said, if people want to help, there's ways they can do so, and uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed and hope we all get through this weekend okay. Absolutely, yeah. Great. Thanks very much, Tyler. Yeah, thank you. That is Tyler folks, at the Calgary Drop-In Centre as they brace for this weekend of uh, just crazy hot weather. Thanks for listening today. To hear any of our other interviews, you can find them wherever you find your favourite podcasts. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to rate and review us.